following program is a peer-to-peer -peer advice show and does not diagnose mental health conditions. If you're seeking social services, please call or text 211 or go to 211.ca. Hello, listeners around the world on radio, streaming, and podcast services. This is It's Not Therapy. I'm Leanna Kersner, and I am not a therapist, but I am your source for practical advice for everyday problems, using my top 10 sayings for checking in with your best self. This episode, we're talking about grief. Now, I planned to do this episode weeks ago, but during the last big snowstorm we had here in northern southern Ontario, my dog Loki suddenly collapsed from heart failure. So we braved thunder snow to get him to the emergency vet. Yes, I said thunder snow. It turned out that Loki had not just heart failure, very serious heart failure, but likely liver cancer. So we made the decision to end his suffering. And then it was back out into the thunder snow that I've taken to calling Fimblevinter because making stories about things is one of my copes. I'm pretty sure that this loss hasn't totally sunk in. And it's been one of the weirdest grieving processes I've ever experienced. Loki was an old dog, but it still felt like a very, very sudden decline. And, well, the dog drove me crazy. I'm more of a big dog person, like, you know, the meaner looking and uglier the better. And Loki was a Chinese crested powder puff. What's that? It's okay if you don't know. It's a hairless dog with hair. And the first thing people would say about him is, he's so cute! But he was also a rehome under complicated circumstances. So he came with a slew of, well, in dogs, we call them behavior problems. In humans, we'd call them mental health issues. Food aggression, separation anxiety, incomplete house training, a primal need to yowl every time he was in the car. And he had the exact opposite of any notable survival skills. This dog was afraid of everything except the cats and my mother. Refused to eat any type of dog food reliably for more than a couple of months at a time. And had this weird habit of flipping area rugs in the house upside down so he could destroy the carpet underpad. And the first time my friend, who is a youth pastor, came over to my house, the dog humped his leg. But it's almost as though the hole now is bigger because the dog was such a little pain in my butt and my friend's leg. There were times, I swear, that dog just outright hated me. But well, now I miss him. I'm realizing how much of my daily routine was built around him. And I know I'm a delayed griever, more on what that means in a bit. But even by delayed grieving standards, this one's a weird tango with grief. And you're probably not used to hearing someone say that a particular episode of grief is weird. But, well, I'm kind of nuts. There's a reason I say, top 10 phrase, you're crazy is only a problem if it's hurting you. Because some crazy can be good. And uh, I've got a great guest who you guys are going to love coming up this week. Amanda Ann Gregory, a trauma psychotherapist, national speaker, and author, joining me from Chicago to talk about grief. But first, 
my regular primer every episode based on comments from you. If you want to ask a question, leave a comment or make a suggestion. 289-275-9600. Liana at nottherapyshow.com. L-I-A-N as in Nancy A at nottherapyshow.com. Or if this is all too complicated, just go to nottherapyshow.com. Nottherapyshow.com. Two T's. And fill out the comment box, the contact box on the form, uh, on the website. Or Twitter, Instagram, Not Therapy Show. Mostly weekly content on that. I have not had the time to do it lately. It's been an unusual time. Now back to grief. We normally associate grief with a death, like I just did. But we experience grief around any loss. Even if that loss is something you're giving up to move on to better things. There's this cultural thing that makes us feel like we're supposed to be nothing but positive about that great new promotion, an exciting new career, buying a first home. And so we we silently miss our old office routines, our friends from that horrible stint in retail, and our tiny, dark, moldy apartment that costs two grand a month because rent in major cities is bad crazy. We can both embrace the new exciting possibilities and grieve the loss of the familiar or the good parts of a less good situation. We can look forward to new opportunities as well as look back at fond and even not so fond memories. Sometimes the not so fond memories can become quite fond in retrospect with time. Now, the film Everything Everywhere All at Once recently cleaned up at the Oscars. I think this movie is great. Michelle Yeoh channels all the grief of a lifetime of what ifing into a stubborn, angry, judgmental, utterly wonderful performance. I won't say much more because it's one of those movies you just need to see on its own terms. But it's a story about, among other things, how refusing to process more difficult emotions leads someone to become a person they didn't want to be. Now, what makes the movie great, though, is how weird it is. It isn't that typical Oscars tearjerker designed to depress you. Oh, sorry, designed to make you think. For me, everything, everywhere, all at once is a perfect metaphor for how your emotions catch up to you if you don't learn to feel and process them. And grief, real grief, is one of the harder emotions to process. And that's why people get stuck. Because grief doesn't just feel bad. Grief is worse than feeling bad. Grief is loss. It's processing loss. And when you're grieving, you learn who really has your back and who your friends really are. And unfortunately, sometimes you end up with grief on top of grief because you realize certain friends turn out to be not great friends. Of course, I'd be remiss if I didn't talk about the so-called stages of grief. Now, I personally don't like the term stages because stages 
suggests a flat linear format and grief is not linear. Now the technical term for the way this model looks at grief is the Kubler-Ross change curve based on psychiatrist Elizabeth Kubler-Ross's pioneering work in the 1960s. Uh, Kubler-Ross took the five stages of grief, took the feedback from people after she published, and I think it was like 1969, and added a few extra wrinkles. And the finished product goes something like this. The Kubler-Ross change curve or grief curve is shock, denial and disbelief, basically needing for needing to look for evidence to confirm the loss to, you know, let it sink in that it's real. Anger and frustration, which is defined as a mix between acknowledging that some things have changed and anger towards the change. Depression and or lack of energy and or intense sadness. Testing, which is experimenting with the new situation to discover what it means for your life. Decision, arising optimism about learning how to manage the new situation. An acceptance of the new reality. The idea is at the end, you step out as a renewed person, all that good stuff you see in the shops with very, very expensive candles and crystals. But everybody's going, oh, come on, it's not that neat. And that's why I say grief isn't linear. It doesn't neatly progress in a curve. That curve if anybody's seen The Good Place, it's like Jeremy Barramy time, right? It just kind of goes everywhere. There's no orderly fashion from stage to stage. And it's one thing to say, yeah, okay, it doesn't necessarily go in any particular order. But when you lay it out that way, the brain goes, ah, this is what I'm supposed to do. And then it never happens that neatly, right? Yeah, I was in shock when I lost my dog. There were periods of disbelief. There, there are still periods of disbelief. But I didn't feel angry this time, at least not yet. I didn't feel depressed, at least not yet. And I've only had moments of sadness so far. Now, part of it is my husband and I have a lot of pets. So we're we've been through this a bunch of times but again I'm a delayed griever I've had situations where even with humans the various stages of grief didn't hit me until months after the loss and the problem with that is that's not the way you're supposed to do it right I'm accused of being callous at first and then oh my god snap out of it months after the fact why is this taking so long right this is all the things people aren't supposed to say these are all the things people say anyway because people as a rule are really not great at dealing with this stuff in a world that likes avoiding emotions and demanding people be productive. That's what it really comes down to is when, you know, someone's feeling worse than awful, when they are grieving, the people around you get empathy overload. I've talked about empathy in past episodes. 
I get empathy overload, then they want to run away because they can't handle feeling so bad. And they end up having all the change curve things. They're shocked by your reaction and they're in denial and disbelief. And then they get angry and frustrated because they don't want you to depress you. And then they start pushing to see, you know, how much they can get you to stop, right? And then people try to, oh, you just have to insert unworkable platitude here, right? Because of that acceptance element. And this is, this is a good time to bring in the actual professional. National speaker, author, and Chicago-based trauma psychotherapist, Amanda Ann Gregory, will join me after the break. You're not gonna wanna miss this, Amanda's great. If anything here inspires a question, comment, or suggestion, 289-275-9600. That's 289-275-9600. We are working on getting text functionality, but we're not there yet. Liana at nottherapyshow.com. That's L-I-A-N-A at nottherapyshow.com or the contact form on nottherapyshow.com. Additional content most of the time, not so much lately on Twitter and Instagram. You can also find the links to any podcast versions of the show via Twitter and Instagram. So Amanda and Gregory talking about how to grieve more better. I blew that. <laughs> After the break on It's Not Therapy, I'm still Yana Kirsner. I'm still good crazy. I'm still not a therapist. And I'll be back in a few minutes. The following program is a peer-to-peer -peer advice show and does not diagnose mental health conditions. If you're seeking social services, please call or text 211 or go to 211.ca. time once again for the It's Not Therapy interview, and we've got a very, very bubbly person to talk about a, a serious topic, but that's why Amanda Ann Gregory is perfect for taking us through change and grief. Amanda, thank you for coming on, fellow cat person, and talking to us about this topic. Thank you so much, and my cat, Mr. Bojangles, thanks you as well. Yes, I will avoid singing. That is that is a favorite <laughs> song of mine. So, uh, and Mr. Bojangles is a black cat with a little bit of white, and so uh, I I I am there for it. Now, you wrote an article on Psychology Today about things to say to somebody and not to say, grieving a pet, but they applied to everything. They applied to grieving the loss of a job, the loss of a family member, a marriage breaking up, right? It, these are common mistakes, right? These things people say trying to be comforting, but it does the opposite, right? Right. You know, and there, there are so many different types of grief. Mm -hmm. And I, I think that's so important to really hit it first, because sometimes when we talk about grief and loss, we automatically go to death. You know, we just yeah. automatically go there. But th there's so many things, like you mentioned, a loss of a job, a loss of a pet, a change in a relationship, even if the relationship doesn't end, mm -hmm. you know, a change there. Um, some people are grieving the loss of their childhoods. There's there's mm -hmm. so many different losses to grieve. And I think that's so important when we are trying to support someone who's grieving to know that, you know, that they are actually experiencing a valid, valid loss. Yeah, I mean, you're in the Chicago area as a psychotherapist. And I mean, Chicago goes through periods of great economic upheaval. I remember being down there right after some of the massive airline layoffs and talking to a guy who's sitting on a bench outside one of the museums 
he was pointing he was giving people directions for change and pointed out Michelle Obama's house to me uh her childhood home and he had just lost his lifetime job at the airport and you know you find this out in the middle of an otherwise casual conversation and you don't know what to say to someone and so I kind of said how do you feel about that what are you doing here and he kind of laughed right but some people would consider that inappropriate there are things you say things like you know they're no longer in pain they're in a better place Uh, the thing that I hear from clients a lot is and and I grip my teeth when I hear this and this is why I want to talk to you about it things like you have to let it go or just move on now what's wrong with saying that to someone it's very much sort of a fix it mentality. Mm-hmm. And I do want to really, you know, highlight that the folks that say these things, usually they have the best intentions. Mm-hmm. You know, we want to say something to be supportive. We want to, you know, we want to help. It's just that sometimes these phrases can come across as minimizing mm-hmm. someone's emotional experience and grieving and also fixing. You know, I want to fix your pain. I want to make it go away because I I care about you. Mm-hmm. But the problem with that is that we we actually can't do that. We we can't fix it. We can't make it go away. Yeah, I have this one client, he lost his mother and he when people say he said when people say just move on or accept it, he goes they're not asking me for acceptance. They're asking me for submission and I won't submit. And I thought that's a brilliant way of putting it, but I think most people don't think about it that acutely. This client happens to be on the autism spectrum, and so he has a wonderfully different framing on it. What is the difference between accepting a loss and just sort of shutting up about your pain? Right. There's a huge, huge difference. Mm-hmm. So shutting up about it or sort of submission, as as your client says, mm-hmm. is when we really haven't gone through that emotional processing. Mm-hmm. And in that processing, I pretty much am talking about the grieving process where a lot of different emotions can come to the center, mm-hmm. you know, like anger, denial, sadness, you know, rage even mm-hmm. sometimes. And it's really important for us to feel those, for us to experience them. And if we need to get some help with that, we can definitely do that. Mm -hmm. Acceptance is usually sort of at the end of that. And acceptance isn't always this perfect state. You know, sometimes people think, okay, if I grieve and I get to acceptance, I'm solid. But you know, there's, there's a lot more flexibility there. You know, sometimes we're, we feel we're more at acceptance than not. Sometimes anniversaries come around Mm -hmm. or, or certain dates. And we may struggle with that and feel like, oh, I've no longer accepted it, but it really is this fluid state. And one thing that I say to my clients that I found helpful is acceptance is not, we're okay with it. Mm -hmm. That's not what acceptance means. Acceptance is that we agree with it or we're glad Mm -hmm. anything happened. Acceptance is pretty much, I can think about this. I can reflect on it. This is a part of my journey. This Mm -hmm. is a part of my life. And it doesn't have that emotional sting as it used to. And I feel a bit more integration you know, with my right. emotions and acceptance isn't, I don't think acceptance is letting go, you know, or, or <laughs> being, you know, again, okay with it. It's more like, no, I'm just, I'm bringing it in. I'm, I'm integrating yeah. it. This, this is a part of who I am. And it doesn't really impact me as negatively in the here and now as it once did. Yeah. That just let it go 
again, people mean well. I think a lot of people externalize that when they're struggling with that internally and they're saying to someone else what they're telling themselves and it doesn't work, right? The harder you yeah. try to just not think something, the more it gets to you, she says, having learned this, um, getting through PTSD and spending a year of intense therapy. That was the thing that drove me absolutely crazy. People saying, just let it go, just let it go. Okay, how? You know, how do I do this? Right. And and I I part of for me getting over the trauma was being allowed to grieve what I lost, right? To grieve mm -hmm. the fact that I had to learn a whole different way of living. My life was never going to be the same again. It can be better. Post-traumatic growth is real, but yeah. it, it was never going to be the same. It was change. And any mm -hmm. change, even when it's a good change, right? Even when you get this awesome new job or you have to move for an amazing opportunity, there's that excitement in the new opportunity, but then there's that loss of the stuff you liked about the previous situation. Exactly. And then we have the loss. And I think that's really important that loss and grieving, you know, could a lot of times be combined yeah. with these other wonderful experiences, but the, the loss and the grieving still deserves respect. You right. know, it still needs to be um, acknowledged. I have a client now who worked for five years in a very toxic work environment. Mm -hmm. And now they have transitioned in this wonderful job, very safe work environment. They have a lot of freedom now. You know, the, the boss is really investing in them mm. and it's very uncomfortable yeah. for them because it's very new and they're going to, they're really having to grieve experiences that they didn't have earlier in their career because now they know what they've lost. Yeah. And this is a wonderful change, but they're still grieving. Yeah, I had a really, huh, I worked in television, so you can imagine, uh, I've, I've worked in some abusive environments that, like your client, didn't know how bad they were at the time. And my process of accepting it is to say, that was a terrible thing, right? Because that's that integration you talked mm -hmm. about. Now, that is not a term that a lot of people encounter. That's like next level stuff integration. So I want to introduce that concept to people because I think it's very important. So in your words, what is integration? Is it a process or is it a destination? You know, I would say it's a constant process mm -hmm. uh, because destination to me means there's an endpoint and we're done. Right. But when it comes to grief, when it comes to especially, you know, trauma healing, mm -hmm. it, it is a constant process. And, and, even meaning a process where people who've gone through this healing or have gone through this grief will say, you know, I notice, you know, it's rare, but there are a few times where I'm like, oh, that that's a trauma response right there. Uh -huh. Okay. And it, it lasts for two seconds. Mm -hmm. But that's, that's, again, it's that integration, you know, it's not this, oh, I'm never going to have these feelings again. I'm never going to, you know, this anniversary comes and I'm always going to be fine. You know, that to me is more like destination where integration is more this, this flexible, you know, sort of experience that, that we're constantly going through. And I think that really helps people because it's more realistic, you know, and it more kind of aligns with how we're working. And if we look at integration, the opposite is sort of this detachment. You know, mm -hmm. it's this disconnection. And sometimes it'll feel like I have all these emotions that are all over the place or it feels overwhelmed. But when we kind of have that integration, so sometimes it feels like things are coming together. And sometimes when things come together, some things get released. 
Mm-hmm. You know, we, we feel them much less. So sometimes that is a byproduct of it. Some people report that their identities are kind of firmed up mm-hmm. in a way, you know, where it's like, man, I just feel more connected to myself, my body, my emotions. I feel more connected in my relationships. A lot of times that's what I hear when people are really sort of at that point of integration and really engaged in that. And one thing I think is so important to just bring up is that when we're struggling to support people who are grieving mm-hmm. and we we don't know what to say or we're saying some things that that we're getting feedback of, oh, you know, that's not helpful. So, for example, you know, they're in a better place, right? They're no longer in pain. Mm-hmm. Um, you need to move on, you know, let let this go. Sometimes I, I think it's important to note that it could be really difficult to sit in someone else's pain. Yes. And I think that's why sometimes we say these things to, to make it better, you know, or to mm-hmm. soothe it. And I always tell folks, you know what, it's actually okay to say nothing. Sometimes yeah. Yeah. it's okay just to sit and listen. And it's okay to just let people know, I, I wish I had the right words. I don't, mm-hmm. uh, but I am here for you. Yeah, I had a moment where I was in your shoes in an interview. Somebody was interviewing me and they said, how do you not walk around with other people's problems all the time? And I was like, what? What? <laughs> I, I'd i never even considered that that was, you know, because if I don't, if I take credit for other people's suffering, then I'm taking credit for their wins and their work as well, right? But I realized that being with someone who is in pain is difficult for most people you get that empathy overload Mm -hmm. and and I think people are so afraid of making a mistake that they make mistakes right they overthink it and like you said they try to fix the problem but the other thing I found is people who are grieving need to have the space to get angry to be in denial to have that sadness you know all the stages of grief that that we say oh yes take all the time you need And then in three days, people are bugging them about work again, right? We as a culture are terrible at this in, in the modern day, right? Am I wrong? Are we, are we better? Okay. We're really bad. Yeah. We're we're really bad. And honestly, I think that really lines up with a lot of other things in our culture that we expect people to move on from, like, for example, giving birth you know, raising children, like how how many times, like, all right, get back to work, do what you need to do, you know, get over it. So I think this is just another one of those things that really aligns with that. And with grief, you know, sometimes I tell people, one of the best things you can do is keep checking in. Yeah. You know, don't stop checking in. Don't think that because, you know, the loss occurred two weeks ago, that they're fine, and they don't need that. And it could be something very simple as a text, you know, hey, just thinking about you, you know, let me know if you need anything. Some people yeah, are really yeah. good at checking in on anniversaries or certain days mm-hmm. or when certain things happen. Like, for example, I have a client who was um, a victim in not one, but two school shootings oh, in, in their life. And so when this whole recent school shooting happened, she had a few friends just text her and say, I'm thinking about you today. Mm-hmm. And that's all they texted. And she just broke down crying because all of a sudden she wasn't alone. Right. You know, there were people who got it and these people just, I mean, they just checked in on her. That's all they did. So sometimes that could be a really good thing for us to do because unfortunately our society doesn't do that. All right. I'm hanging on every word here, but that music means we got to go to a break. We will be back with Amanda and Gregory all the way from Chicago, trauma psychotherapist, national speaker, author, Anything inspires you guys. Contact form, nottherapyshow.com, Leanna at nottherapyshow.com. I want to hear from you. 
We got to hear from sponsors right now. So we'll be back after this quick break. Stay tuned. The following program is a peer-to-peer advice show and does not diagnose mental health conditions. If you're seeking social services, please call or text 211 or go to 211.ca. We're back on It's Not Therapy. I am still Leanna Kersner. I'm still not a therapist. And we are still talking about how, as a culture, we suck at grief. I'm talking to Amanda Ann Gregory, Chicago trauma psychotherapist, national speaker and author. Yeah, it's strange because you look at any of the world's major religions and we can point out the problems with them all we want, but they do have rituals for grief. I know my religion, you know, we have the Shiva, which is an intense week. And then the Jewish mourning period is a year. And Uh so I, it's a year. Uh, by default and I know some people it took longer I know one guy who lost his wife that's actually how I met him uh it took him three years to you know resume a, a level of functionality that we would be considered okay and that was his time the fact that we expect people to be back at work 100 in a week or two to me is cruel yeah and but some people want to go back even though because they want to stay busy but they're not themselves right so how do we accommodate somebody because we should let people get back in it into the swing of things if that's what they want to do and grief isn't linear it's cyclical so I know me my stepfather's death hit me three months later it was Mm -hmm. such a whirlwind at the time that it wasn't until three months later that it hit me And that's, you know, that's not the normal time that people understand what's going on with you. So what's your advice, both for people who are in that situation, but also people supporting people in that situation? I think the best advice I can give is meeting that person where they're at. Mm -hmm. And that includes yourself. And when we're supporting people who are grieving, sometimes I think in addition to it's hard to sit with someone's pain, we're afraid they're stuck. Right. They're always going to be stuck. And that fear may cause us to push or to neglect or ignore, you know, at times. But if we're meeting people where they're at, there needs to be some faith that they are going to move through this. Things are going to change. And a lot of times in therapy, one of the big interventions in helping people to move is to just be them, be with them in that space you know, however they're feeling. So if somebody is very angry, yeah, you're angry. Yeah. Get angry. Let's, yep. let's feel that anger. I'm going to be angry with you. Yeah. You know, if they're sad, they're sad. If they're in denial. Okay. A lot of times that creates this environment of safety mm-hmm. so that people can move through it and in change. I think sometimes we're afraid that, okay, if I validate their anger, if I sit with them in that, I, I'm just like enabling them to be stuck, but that's right. That's often not the case. Yeah. Yeah. It's the opposite from what I understand that the one of the things, you know, the great mysteries of life is why some people end up with PTSD and some people don't. One of the things is how people treat them after the event. Are they accepted Mm -hmm. or are they put in a box? As I say, you know what you're supposed to do. You're not doing the things you're supposed to do. That's a major factor. Um. And so even people who don't feel like they're doing anything, just not pushing the person is something, right? I mean, that's the best thing you can possibly do. Just let them talk. 
It is. And I think, you know, at the end of the day, if you just focus on one thing, just providing one thing yeah. for someone who's grieving, it's creating that safe space. Mm -hmm. That's it. You know, I, I've seen that done, you know, just, just huge advantages for people sure. who are grieving, who, who have that space. Yeah. Now I'm going to complicate things here because I like it. I like being difficult. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's a superpower of mine. Boundaries in mm -hmm. that space, right? Obviously you talk about, and you're a hundred percent right. Um, worrying somebody's going to get stuck. However, there are lines somebody shouldn't cross, you know, when somebody starts lashing out in a way that somebody can't handle, what's your recommendation for boundaries with a grieving person? Right. So when we are supporting a grieving person, there are some fundamental things that need to be in place so that we can support them. Right. Because okay. if these things aren't in place, we're really not going to do a good job supporting them. So the right. first one right. is safety. Mm -hmm. We need to feel like we are physically, emotionally, sexually safe. All the types of safety mm -hmm. we need to feel like we have. Because if not, what's going to happen is if I'm a supporter of someone that I don't feel safe with, my system is actually going to focus on protecting myself, not on That's supporting right. them, yeah. as it should, yeah. right? That, as yeah. it should. So if the safety is not there, we need to look to, can that safety be established? Can there be boundaries in place? If not, I may not be the best person to support them. Mm -hmm. And I may need to look at that and maybe grieve that loss myself. And when it comes to, you know, and I think sometimes one of the, the, the boundaries that's really struggles, those emotional boundaries, because I could say, yeah, I'm physically safe with this person. Mm -hmm. I you know, think they're going to hurt me. But then when I'm supporting them, I notice that maybe I'm getting very irritable or I'm getting, you know, emotionally burned out. And I yeah. think it's important to take note of that because in trauma work, one thing we uh, talk a lot about is everybody has a window of tolerance mm -hmm. and this window could be pretty big. We can manage a lot of stuff coming at us. It could be small and that window can change on a dime depending upon kind of what we're going through and processing. So if my window of tolerance of emotional tolerance is really small, if it's a very small kind of tiny window, I may not be able to support someone at that moment. I may need to kind of look to myself, you know, really kind of take the steps I need to increase that window. And that's probably going to be having boundaries mm -hmm. with other people, the ability to do that. And so I think it kind of comes down to that philosophy of if I'm not okay, it's going to be very difficult for me to help you to feel okay. Yeah. And, and that I think is a challenge. I'm, I'm going to say something a little contentious. I see that a lot in moms, right? That they think they should be there all the time and they need this unending fountain of, you know, compassion and empathy. And they end up getting blamed for a lot of things they don't deserve. And they don't feel like they can say, okay, this isn't right anymore. I have to step back because I feel like they're abandoning their kid. Is yeah. there any specific advice? Because in, in situations like divorce, you know, not just moms, but the caregiver parent, whether that's a mom or a dad or a non-binary parent, um, that's a tough one because they're grieving and the kids are grieving. And, you know, in the Adele song, Go Easy On Me, they she's trying to grieve together. But that's Adele. We can't all be Adele. We're not that cool. What do the rest of us do? You know, when it comes to and not just children or anybody, mm -hmm. we notice that 
the the best sort of you know preventative measure but also healing measure is to have more than one secure attachment yeah okay so unfortunately a lot of times this does fall to the female identifying right member of that um which is very unfair um but it you got to have more than one and that includes children Mm -hmm. Because children can have a main secure attachment figure, which is wonderful, and they usually do. But we need to be bringing other adults, other children, other creatures Mm -hmm. into this um, so that the child is not just relying on one individual to support them through that grief. And that also applies to adults. If we have only one person in our life that we feel safe with, we can rely on, that's wonderful. But we really need to be bringing some more people in and, and that's not just because we don't want to burn someone out. I mean, that is part of it. Mm-hmm. But if you look at it, we can actually get so many different um, beings in our life that, are, that have so many different strengths mm-hmm. to support us. You know, we have some people that are very good with physical touch. They're just yep. very yep. good with that. And they provide that. Some people are very good with the insight and logic and the advice. And they're great with that. Some people are more better with the emotional support. And they don't want to give you advice or lecture you. They're just, they're really good at meeting you where you're at. Some people are great at pushing us outside our comfort zones when we need to. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I think that's just important. That's what I would say to a mom or anybody that feels like, no, I've got to be there for this person. I'm the only one. It's like, well, what about if we bring some other people in to really support you in that? All right, Amanda, I'm going to cut it off. I could talk to you for an hour on okay. this subject. <laughs> I'm going to stop. Amanda Ann Gregory, trauma psychotherapist, national speaker and author. I butchered that. National speaker <laughs> and author in, in the Chicago area. She is an amazing cat named Mr. Bojangles. Amanda, how can people get in touch with you if they're listening to this and go, I got to talk to this cat lady? Oh, just go to my, my website. Uh, there's a bunch of free stuff on there. So feel free to steal and, you know, pillage and just take everything. It's um, www.amandaangregory.com. All right, guys, we're going to go to break. When we come back, more on processing grief and change and all that good stuff that Amanda just talked about on It's Not Therapy. The following program is a peer-to-peer advice show and does not diagnose mental health conditions. If you're seeking social services, please call or text 211 or go to 211.ca. We're back on Insta Therapy. I'm still Leanna Kersner. We are come to my final thoughts on this episode about grief. I personally think everyone is grieving something at any given time. And if you're not, you're preventing yourself from grieving. And that sounds bad. That sounds like Oscar film depressing, right? But it's not. Grief is progressing as a human. What we get as a reward for processing grief is wisdom. It's that integration process that Amanda mentioned. We get closer to who we really are, our true self, our best self, our wisest self, every day. And what that means is if you got this thing that keeps intruding on your life, you have this thing that happened to you that is you're still carrying around, you need to grieve that. If you had a terrible childhood or, you know, parts that weren't so great, you need to grieve that if you haven't already done it. 
if you were bullied or taken advantage of at any point in your life, at some point you need to grieve that. If you were outright abused, you definitely need to grieve that. You need to grieve the disappointments, the failings, and the betrayals you've experienced. Grieve the lost time. Grieve the lost opportunities. When you feel that pang of, ah, you know, wish it hadn't gone that way. It's not just okay to grieve that. It's necessary. You need to grieve these things so they don't control you. So you're not that guy on the internet freaking out about a TV show because of your unresolved pain and trauma. And by that guy, I use that as a gender neutral term, right? We all have things we need to grieve or they make us do not great things. So how the heck do you do that? Well, for me, it starts by feeling my feelings without judgment. Anything I feel, it just is. Top 10 phrase, ignoring negatives isn't being positive. That top 10 phrase is in there for a reason. It's okay to not be okay. It's important to be able to say even just to yourself that things sucked. Now, admitting that things suck can be really scary because you're admitting a lack of control over your circumstances. But that admission, the acknowledgement that there are parts of things that were not in your control is the first step to regaining control over your circumstances. Top 10 phrase, healthy goals are based on the things you can control. It's important for me as a delayed griever to give myself time when I need it, not when the world finds it convenient. I'm expecting the loss of my puppy, my Loki-Doki, to hit me a few weeks or even months from now. If I'm lucky, it'll be a few days from now. I know it's coming. So I'm trying to keep some time free every week if I need that pocket to feel lousy. And if I have to run a rerun one week in the coming weeks, so be it. I've decided to think of the pause that I'm going to have to eventually take as honoring the life of that little you-know-what dog who drove me crazy. But I loved him. I find thinking about the good memories, even if those memories hurt at first, that's a big way I achieve integration. I wasn't always that way. A lot of people have the urge to try to block out all memories of a loss because they think they can't handle the pain. But you can handle the pain if you give yourself the time and the space to feel it. It doesn't have to be all at once and this is when the excuses kick in of, oh, I have to work, I have to do this, I have to do that. Yes, there are bosses that expect way too much from people these days, but you do have days off, right? You, you, you've got to give yourself that time and that space. 
what you can do, no matter how busy you are, is, is one of the things Amanda talked about. Reach out to people you love and trust. It helps. Now, what if you don't love and trust anybody or you love people, but you don't trust them? If they don't respond or they say something rotten, that's on them, not you. At least you did the work to reach out, but do it on your own timeline. That reaching out. Personally, I'm not someone who's great at talking about this stuff early on because of that delay. Even the details I've shared here are out of my regular comfort zone. I just prefer to talk to people about stuff. And more importantly, I prefer listening to people engaging with what's going on with them. It's my way of reconnecting to life. And that doesn't have to be your process, right? I, I, I sort of envy people who are comfortable falling apart. That's what they need to do and they're not ashamed to do it. And that's amazing. I also know people who have withdrawn and grieved for years before they were ready to really move on. And, and you never quite move on, you move with. That's why I like that term Amanda used, integration. You can carry the memory of someone or something with you. It becomes like a, you know, a little piece of luggage on wheels instead of a, a stone around your neck. Now, professional grief counseling is available if you want or need it in a lot of areas it is free and grief counseling can be very very helpful especially if you're feeling isolated but don't want to lean on the people you you know in your life because there's no way to force yourself to feel better top 10 phrase self-esteem cannot exist without self-compassion just because other people are being rotten to you, you don't have to amplify it by being so tough on yourself. The most important thing is that you don't beat yourself up about feeling bad. And unless you're self-harming, there's no doing grief wrong. Okay, don't harm other people either, okay? Don't, you know, don't wreck anything too expensive. Support services are there to make things easier for you, not because you're failing. And don't panic if you feel depressed for a little while. Depression after a loss isn't the same thing as clinical depression. You don't have a mental illness. You're going through a difficult time where emotions are overwhelming. And again, if people start to push you to feel better, on a timeline that's convenient to them, not your process, red flag those people. You are the hero of your own story, not anybody else's. That story is gonna have twists and turns and ups and downs and grief is how you process the downs to give meaning to the ups. And that's my time for this week. If you have questions, if you have comments, please reach out. Leanna at nottherapyshow.com. L-I-A-N as in Nancy. A, nottherapyshow.com. The contact form on nottherapyshow.com is an easier thing to remember. Or 
at Not Therapy Show and Twitter and Instagram. Heavy topic, but I know you guys can handle it. Remember, I already said it once this show, but I'll say it again to remind y'all. Your crazy is only a problem if it's hurting you. Take care of yourselves.